Are you excited? Yes. <laughs> all right. That's all right. I'm not going to push it. <laughs> if I pushed it, I'm excited for them. I think I've got enough excitement for all of them and myself and everybody else. I can't wait to get up there to Prescott Pines. I, I've only been two times, and I, I got to tell you, just a little brief testimony. I love it up there. It's uh, you've heard me talk about the woodpeckers and still the best time. I, I got to say the best night we've had up there was the night that the three wild boars and I'm not talking Chase, Tim and myself were walking through camp. I'm talking there were actually three wild pigs going through that camp. Sister Skyler saw them and said, there's boars out here. I said, that's mean to call us boars. I know, I know we're dry, but we're not boring, at least. But no, nah, she did. She saw them. I'm sitting there going, "Man, you, you're seeing things, girl." No, nah, she saw them. Three, three wild pigs running right through the middle of camp, and uh, you know, you never know what God's going to give you. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, <clears throat> we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62, and when you get there, if you'll please stand. Um, I talk about Prescott Pines in a positive way. That's because I like nature. I like getting out there to the... uh, I like getting out in this world and seeing the beauty that God gave to us and what he paints for us. Because truly, his artwork is perfect. Brother Steve, you get out there and you're amongst all those pine trees and they're tall. And you're out there. You can't help but know that God is in control. So Isaiah chapter 62, we're only going to read about six verses beginning in verse number one. And I'm going to give a couple of comments and we're going to move on. For Zion's sake... Will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. And verse number five, for as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I ask, number one, that... If there's anything in my life that would hinder me to 
show you tonight, Lord, I ask that you forgive me of those. I confess it openly and freely, Lord, and I just ask that you'll wash it away. Father God, I just ask that tonight it'll be your words that come out of my mouth, and Lord, that it's your thoughts that are laid into my heart. Father, help me to recall those things that you've laid on my heart and hide me behind your cross. Lord, let me decrease tonight so that you can increase. And Father, if anyone be here for whatever reason needs to move and seek your help and your guidance, Lord, I just ask that you give them liberty and freedom to move as we go through this service. Father, open our hearts and minds. Lay on our hearts those, those truths that you'll have us realize. Father, again, on these prayer requests, I ask that you would place your hand on them. And Lord, bring them to a conclusion that will bring honor and glory to you. Father, we ask these things and ask that, Jesus, you come in, in, in among us. That, Lord, your Bible says where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are also. Lord, we invite you in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And for Christ's sake, we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. Imagine a place where there's no war, a place where there's peace, no sickness. But he added in that a place where there's no heaven and no hell. I'm sorry, he's describing what man has called utopia. Utopia is not a real place. It's, not, it, it's a nice dream, but it's not a real place. You see, we live in a world that's full of sickness. We live in a world that's full of war. We're, we live in a world that's full of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and dare I say it, even child abuse. We live in a world where people would rather murder babies. That way they can get away with their little bit of indiscretions. But what God's describing here in Isaiah through the prophet, in Isaiah 62, he's actually describing Jerusalem. But to those of us who are on this side of the cross of Calvary, to us, he's describing a place called heaven. And this is what I wanted to talk about tonight. As I was sitting back here today listening to pastor and, and the sermon today I'm always I, I'm always amazed every Sunday because God takes every piece of our day and he orchestrates one thing to fall right in line with the other starting with devotion that goes along with the Sunday school that goes along with pastor's message even the songs turn out to be in perfect order. This is what happens when we trust God. He puts things in order. But I like the promises that God gives here in verse number 4, thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. You see, Jerusalem was at one time considered forsaken. You remember 
when Babylon came down, Nebuchadnezzar came down and uh, took Israel into captivity, the land was desolate. It was forsaken. I mean, they came in, they stole it blind. They stole every gold piece, every piece of value out of the temple and then put it into their temple and desecrated it. But God, through his glory, God, through his grace, maintained his, his patience. And he promised that they would come back. During World War II, the Israeli state <clears throat> suffered some more tragedy, if you will, indignation in the concentration camps and in the ovens of Auschwitz and all the other German camps that were set to do one thing and one thing only, and that was destroy God's chosen land. That was to destroy God's chosen people. Today, they're trying to wipe that out of history. Oh, let's just not include it in the history books anymore. It never really happened. But it did happen. Because Israel was forsaken. Israel was desolate. But in verse number 4 of Isaiah 62, he went on to say, Thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, thy land Beulah. Hephzibah means the Lord delighteth in thee. 1941, the Jewish state, by, by the vote of man, became a nation again. But I need to, I need to say something here. The nation of Israel didn't need to be voted on by man. The nation of Israel was voted on by, one, by a majority of one. And that's God. God promised Abraham back when he led him out of the land of Ur and led him into Canaan, the promised land, and said, I will make out of you a mighty nation. Ever since, <clears throat> excuse me, ever since Israel became a nation, she has dealt with war and attack and attack and attack. And every time Israel has come out of it, the better for it. Not because of what they did, but because the hand of God is upon that covenant. There are preachers out there that teach, well, the Gentiles got the covenant now. Israel lost it. No, they did not. I got news for you. The tribulation that's coming, that's for the Jewish people, folks. The church will be gone from this world at that time. And praise God, there's people like Brother George back here, Brother Wayne, that are looking forward to going home. I don't know anybody that truly loves Jesus Christ 
and professes Jesus Christ that doesn't look forward to going home. As a matter of fact, man has written song after song after song about Beulah land. What does the term Beulah mean? The term Beulah here in verse number 4 says, Thy land shall be married. It means literally the married land. In Revelation, John describes the bride. And he describes the bridegroom. You see, Israel is still God's chosen people. And they're, they're the apple of God's eye. And God's, God's covenant with them said, whoever curses you shall be cursed. And whoever comes and, and, and lifts you up, they're going to be blessed. That holds true today. Brother Bill, how do you know this? <clears throat> if you would, turn over to, first off, let's go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Brother Bill, why is it so important that you're talking about Beulah land? Why are you talking about Hephzibah? One verse in Proverbs 22 says it all. And that's verse number one. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Israel is a mighty nation because of the covenant of, the covenant of God. Abraham, when, when God told Sarah she would have a child at 100 years old, <laughs> just shy of it, what, did, what was Sarah's reaction at first? She laughed. She laughed. Then her lack of faith, what did she do? She got, she got her handmaid, Brother Steve, and said, Go lay with my husband. Husband, go lay with our handmaid. I, I'm too old to have a baby. You know what? Can God do anything? God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. God made all of this. The wood that holds this building up and holds this roof up. God made. Here's something I want you to think about. <clears throat> After each thing was made in the book of Genesis, what did God say? What does the Bible tell us? And he saw it, and it was good. He made the trees, saw it, Brother Travis, and it was good. It was good. Jamie, he made the oceans and the fish and the whales and everything that's in that ocean. What did God say? It was good. Man has learned to clone, <laughs> make mere copies of other things. I'm going to give you an example. Salmon. 
How many of you realize that the salmon you get from stores nowadays, a lot of it's cloned? Would that interest you to know that little factoid? Because the wild salmon is on the endangered species list. So we can't hunt it anymore. We can't fish for it. So where does all the salmon come from? Let me tell you about the cloning of the salmon. The cloning of the salmon, the salmon is actually not red. They have to inject dye into those salmon to get the color of salmon, to get that pink color. Now, man does something like that, and what does man say? Oh, that's great. God said when he made a tree, it was good. Man says, what we did is great. Proverbs, Solomon said, a good name is rather to be chosen. I hear it all the time. I'm sure Sister RJ does in the retail industry. Um, we may say it to a lot of people. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. Now, I always respond to that with, Jesus blesses me every day. And I always get funny looks. Because they really don't mean what they're saying. You see, yesterday, or not yesterday, Friday, the bus driver that I was working with came to me and he started quoting some scripture. And I thought, oh, okay. This man saved. He's, he quoted everything right, and he was saying really good things, and it was right. But then he asked me, he says, Bill, what is your opinion on Calvinism? <laughs> but he, before I answered, he said, I want you to keep in mind, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> That's not a fair question. Because it's, it's asking for a response that he might not like. Because that's what I gave him. You see, predetermination, the idea of Calvinism, is heresy, according to the word of God. And when I stated that, he says, well, yeah, God's word likes to contradict itself. And that started a whole nother argument. And that was, Woody, do you believe that this is God's word? Let me ask you, Jonathan, is this God's word? Do you believe it? Can God lie? Okay. Out of the mouths of babes comes great knowledge and great wisdom. I'm going to tell you something. Caleb, you were just baptized last week, right? Is this God's word? Do you believe it? How many of you can say the same thing? I believe God's word. If you're sitting in this pew tonight and you claim Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have to admit this is God's word. As a matter of fact, this word says that Jesus is the word. 
And it says that the Word became flesh. So, where's the contradiction? If God can't lie, then everything that's in these pages has to be true. So if it says in here that God is not willing that any man should perish, does that mean that he's got certain people that are going to hell and certain people going to heaven? So that's not what my Bible says. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. Beulah land, the married land. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you're included in that married land. I'm kind of homesick for a country. Brother Wayne loves Beulah Land. He loves that song. He loves two songs. I was talking with Pastor about it. I didn't know about the second one until this morning. And I have to agree with him on that song, and that's The Anchor Holds. He loves that song. When Sister Lori sings The Anchor Holds, I get tears in my eyes. Because it's a reminder that no matter where I'm at, no matter the storms I'm going through, the ship I'm on, the ship of Jesus Christ, is anchored solid to that solid rock. That solid rock is Beulah land, folks. It's that land that we are looking forward to. For the Israelites, when they were in captivity in Babylon, they were looking Back to Jerusalem. Folks, what does John say is coming in the end? He saw it coming down from heaven as a bride adorned new Jerusalem. Folks, Jerusalem is the center of it all. God's not done with Jerusalem. And he's not done with the Israeli people. I'm kind of homesick for that country that I've never been before. And that's the kingdom of heaven. So it's referring to Jerusalem for those that went into captivity of Babylon, for those that were scattered throughout the earth and in 1941 started coming back to it. Today, can I tell you that the leader in the medical industry and the medical field is Jerusalem. Brother Bob and Pastor are looking to go to Jerusalem again this next year. And that's one place that I really, really in my lifetime would like to go. But I'm not upset if I don't get to go to Jerusalem because I get to go to New Jerusalem. Just like everyone else that knows Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. Turn, if you would, over to Hebrews 11. Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, he had something to say about this too. Hebrews 11. 
verse number 10 says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker of God is God. I don't know of any city on earth whose builder was God. I know of one place, and that's the kingdom of heaven. The Bible asks the question, can we add any stature to our life? Can we add anything to our life that would make a difference? We can't. Tell me something. If you had all the riches in the world, would you be happy? I can't say that I would. I've watched people that have money. My uncle, before he passed away, he was the president of a savings and loan. He thought he had everything. As a matter of fact, his philosophy, and I call it philosophy, he claimed to be born again. I truly pray he was. But I have doubts because of some of the things he said. And the biggest thing was, if God knows what I need, why do I got to pray for it? Why do I got to pray? God knows what I need. You're right. He, He was right in that aspect. God knows everything that we stand in need of. Before you ask that prayer request every Sunday morning, God already knows it. He's already working on it because God knows our hearts. We pray to show God that we need Him. Sister Lori, if Pastor went away for a while, she would miss Pastor. If Holly went away, I would miss Holly. We rely on each other. We are made one. The wedding ceremony says between man and woman, what God put together, let no man put asunder. That means the institution of marriage is not decided by man. You see, pride is the problem. We can look at passages like this in Isaiah 62 that describes Beulah land. The marriage, the, the, the married lands, the bride of Christ. We can look at all this scripture that describes this wonderful place. But our pride says we can do better. Huh, God made the sheep. Well, I can make a sheep now. I got the DNA code down. (laughs) I think, and I'm chuckling a little bit because I'm still thinking about Titanic. The designer and builder of Titanic said, not even God can sink this ship. It's maiden voyage, it was sunk by a piece of ice that ripped a hole from stem to stern. 
down the right side. And it happened so fast they couldn't even get the doors down between the engine rooms that was supposed to stop the flooding. God shall not be mocked. But, Romans 5.8 reminds us, but God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He tells us in Matthew chapter, chapter 6 and verse 33, to seek God first. And his kingdom, his kingdom, Beulah land. His kingdom, glory. His kingdom, our blessed hope. That's not a dream, folks. That's not utopia. It's not a man-made deal. Some people will have you believe that. God is not man-made. It's not some crutch for us to lean on in times of trouble. Christ is a reality. Christ is the Messiah. He is God's Son. He is God come to earth in a form that we would understand. But yet so many people, they give up. It's all a pipe dream, Brother Bill. You know what? What you're saying is good, but it can't be that simple. Why does man want to corrupt everything? My question tonight is why can't we just why can't we just accept God's word for what it is? The truth We know better than God. That's why I'm going to be in a homosexual marriage. And I know there's people that don't like what I'm saying. I'm sorry. God's word in Romans says it's an abomination to him. But Bill, it's okay to kill that baby because that mother was going to die. Can I say that mother that truly loves that baby would lay their life down for that child? And I can only speak out of experience from my mother and from my wife. I know Holly, when we were sitting out there, when I was doubting or asking God, why'd you give, why Tim? Why do we have to go through this with Tim, with his eyesight? God, I can't handle this. Holly, the whole time, she would come up to me, put her arm around me, and say, We're going to get through this. 
That's the love of a mother. The only thing I wish is that it could be my eyesight instead of his. Holly's lived with this her whole life. God gave her an understanding of something that maybe I'll never understand fully. But I know Holly would have rather it been her going through those surgeries than Tim or Chase. Last night as we were getting ready to go pick Chase up from UMC, I looked at Holly, and the concern on her face was, I wish it was me instead of Chase going through that. Comment was made today by someone, my sister. All I want to do is hug you and stroke you and tell you it's okay to chase. That's the love of God. Beulah land. I'm homesick. My mom, when she died, said all she wanted. <laughs> she didn't have time for all this tomfoolery we got in this world. I just want to go home. I want to be with Jesus. Holly's mom, when she passed, never once gave up on Jesus. All she dreamt about was going home. People are dying every day. Some know Christ, some don't. reality is there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus, their personal Savior. And they're going to die a death where it's going to be a lonely death. Because they're going to end up in a place filled with torture. Filled with despair and anguish. A place where the flame never dies and is never quenched. Where the worms and the bugs and the maggots never die. And they can't eat enough. I know that sounds rather vivid in, in the description. But if you think I'm lying about it, go to God's word. Remember, God's word is truth. And it's got to be truth, Brother Travis. Because no book in this world has ever brought so much controversy. That book right there is the best book I have on, on my shelf that I carry in my car that I have in my heart. If it's caused this much controversy in this sinful, decrepit, depraved world, that's what I want to go to. I don't want to go to Harry Potter. I don't want to go to someone's idea of what utopia is. I can only imagine. John Lennon says, imagine all the people. I'm imagining all the people that are dying without Christ tonight. But then you hear the testimonies of those who know 
Jesus Christ. And those who have sat next to their loved one that has passed, and they describe a sense of peace that has come over that person because they saw Jesus in their final waking moments on this earth. Look at Stephen. When he was stoned, what did he say? I see heaven opening up, and I see the Son on the right hand of the Father. Is that what you're going to see today? Should, your, should God call you home tonight? When you're laying there in despair. When you go to bed tonight. And you're going to wake up looking forward to tomorrow. God, I don't know if I can handle tomorrow. Can I say... That when you close your eyes tonight, before you close them, give God everything. Because when you do, you can sleep a lot better than going to sleep with all that worry and all that baggage on your heart. Tonight, you can know if you don't know Jesus, you're the personal Savior. You can get that settled today before it's too late. If there's something weighing you down, the altars will be open. And here's the nice thing. Here's the great thing about God. He's open 24-7. 7-Eleven <laughs> 7 thinks they cornered the market on 24-7 convenience. <laughs> God's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's always been there. All you needed to do was go to him and say, God, help me. I can't do this anymore. When I tried to commit suicide, I didn't think anybody loved me. And I'm going to tell you that's a lie from Satan. Because someone did love me. He loved me enough to go to that cross. He loved me enough to say, Bill, I don't care what you did. I forgive it. And I'm here for you. So as Brother Steve and Sister Holly come, if there's something you need to get off, get off your heart and give to God, the altars will be open. Maybe there's someone that God has laid on your heart to pray for. Maybe they don't know Christ as their personal Savior, a family member, a loved one, a friend. Or maybe they're just believing the heresy and the lies that Satan is giving through false teachers. I can't think of a better place to go than to God and ask God to touch their hearts. Can we stand?